Hello, welcome to season three of the Pictures Out There podcast series. This is chat number four, Quirks of People, the New Theater in Overland Park, Kansas, the African American Museum in Washington, D.C., the Florida Board of Education, Ezra Klein, Aristotle, Tyranny, Albert Einstein, A Simple Act of Kindness, and more all receive mention and attention today. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Well, thank you very much for that kind introduction, Candy. This is Lee. And this is Dave. And we'd like to welcome you back to the Pictures Out There podcast series. Welcome to our present day audience, mm-hmm. our audiences perhaps years, decades, centuries from now, our future and current AI audience, perhaps our future alien audience, Dave. Oh, and yes. we'll just call it our universal audience. So, Thank you all very much for listening. Thanks for joining us. We'd like to begin by asking our conventional two questions. What are your ideals? What are your pictures? Keep those in mind as we chat today. So we thought we'd start off today with uh, just some, some sharing some laughter and maybe an insight or two about the bemusement, amusement, and the pleasure that we get from familiar things. Hmm. And a lot of times these familiar things can be sometimes frustrating in the moment or even irritating in the moment yes. or just make us shake our head a little bit. But uh, they are a part of our life. I had a great example of this, Lee, come up uh, the other day, and there's a wonderful dinner theater in the town where we live called the New Theater. We have been longtime uh, participants going to that, enjoying the theater. They have wonderful food. So I'm trying to give a little testimonial to them here. Feel Excellent. free to go enjoy them. Excellent. But one of the very amusing things about going there is the buffet line. They have a buffet line, four of them, and people line up. And the quirks of people going through the line happen every single time. <laughs> you know, and so it's part of the experience that you almost look forward to the situation where there's going to be the individual that very slowly mm-hmm. goes through the bowl of pasta and vegetables and picks out just the vegetables they want or just the pasta they want. Yes. Meanwhile, the line is just growing (laughs) back, you know, behind you. And then there is the person that is standing behind you who has gotten frustrated and is waiting to have their chance at the food. And they're like, right over your shoulder you can feel you know their breath on your neck (laughs) and so it's one of those very familiar things where you just laugh and as you get in line it's like i know there's going to be the person that's going through the bowl i know there's going to be the person that's breathing on my neck and it is kind of weird and strange but enjoyable in a way because it is familiar. Yeah, it's predictable, it's routine. There's a comfort in that. There's a little bit of a joy in that, even though in the moment it may be annoying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's also some things that I think probably all of us have with family members, right? People we, or people we live with. There's a family member that uh, I've had who uh, always left their coffee cup in the microwave. (laughs) They would heat up the coffee cup. Forget it, yeah. Well, or they would just heat it up and let it sit there. Oh. (laughs) And then they would go back to it, and they are uh, sadly no longer with us, and I love them dearly. But when they would do that, lots of times I would get irritated. Mm -hmm. I'd kind of go, would they just... I'd open the door, and it's like their coffee cup is sitting there, 
and I would have to go through the incredible effort oh, yeah. of taking their, their coffee, coffee cup, cup out, out before I yeah. could put my thing in. Yes. Just a, a huge inconvenience in yes. my life. Yes. You know. And uh, I would I would love to have their coffee cup sitting in the microwave yeah. now. You 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 get perspective on these things and you go, you know, they're they're enjoyable little quirks in, and we all have them. Endearing. Yeah. 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 So Lee, what about, what about uh, people that uh, you work with? Yeah. Uh, So if you go into an an office environment, I think this would be true of most of us. You just kind of know who the sunshiny people are going to be. Right. And sometimes people can be sunshiny to an annoying level. Right. So eternally optimistic that you, if we're in a bad mood, just want to say, I don't want your good wishes today. Where, where's the switch to I, turn yeah, you off? I, I prefer to be miserable right now. Thank you. Okay. And then, of course, there's the converse of that type. For those of you who might remember Winnie the Pooh, there was a character in there, the donkey. He was Eeyore. And Eeyore was forever grumpy and gloomy and despairing and uh, despondent. I'm not doing so good today. I'm not doing so How are good. you? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, uh, and we did have one of those eternally sunshine people in my office who retired within the last year. And as you stated before, oh, I kind of miss that. Yeah. It irritated me four out of every five days, but yeah. I kind of miss it. <laughs> and don't you revisit, you know, again, when you get some distance and life moves on and you're in a different stage and you're thinking back on those experiences and the people and the things that are usually so memorable are these quirks. Yes. Those are the things yeah. you, and, and so, you know, what is there, uh, what's the lesson in that? Is, is there some kind of good feeling and security that we get from the familiar, mm-hmm. even if sometimes we may at the moment think it's a little irritating, mm-hmm. but maybe we actually get some comfort from that that we don't even consciously realize until a little bit later. Yeah. It's the comfort of predictability. It's the comfort of routine. And as we've talked about, we all go through processes with change management. And so a lot of these things are our anchors, right? As little different mm-hmm. things are mm-hmm. happening that are changes and we're trying to deal with that. Sometimes these, these things, these quirks of people or situations we're in, they're comforting. Mm-hmm. And they actually are kind of a, an anchor for us as we're getting uh, batted around by the winds of change and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're, they're a wonderful thing to appreciate. So, so yeah. we thought we'd just start today with yeah. ha- having a laugh about those things, but uh, also kind of tying it a little bit to change in some of our themes. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on, Lee, to a, uh, an example, an exercise of a life tool for the journey that we've talked about in books and podcasts before that we call Simple to Complex to Simple. And so we're going to use that exercise in talking about our picture of equality. Okay. And we've talked about our picture ultimately is that we would have equality for all people. And uh, there might be something called an equalist movement that would be the engine for that. But any time that we have drawn what we think is wisdom out of complex, you know, to create that second simple, as we call it, and we then have... Um, again, uh, some simple wisdom that we use to go about our life up. Oh, here comes new information about yeah. that topic. Also known as new complexity, new complexity, new, new things to think about or to consider or to learn about. And so we're going to give an example of that related to equality. So let's start with, first of all, what our current second simple might be, uh, before we talk about a couple of items. So Lee, I'm going to give a couple of statements I'd like for you to react to. Sure. Okay. 
everything about slavery was and is bad, horrible, mm-hmm. inequitable, and wrong. Thoughts about that? To me, it seems we can all agree with that statement, right? I, I, it's let's so let's break it down. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, it's a very declarative statement that says this always was wrong in its current time, and certainly now, years later, uh, it, there was nothing about it uh, that was not bad, not horrible, not <laughs> you know destructive. Um, we could all get wound around the political environment of the 17th and 18th centuries in the United States of America where slavery was prevalent. And that's the complexity where to say, well, for economic reasons that existed for X, Y, and Z, for social political reasons that existed because the South wanted an equal footing with the North. You can get wound around the axle of complexity that if you can remove yourself from that and just go, what a horrible thing. Right. It's as simple as that. Right. So we would assume that all of you listening to this would agree with that statement. We might say, if you don't agree with that statement, you might want to skip part of this chat today. Yeah, go ahead <laughs> and hit fast forward yeah, if you wish. Go, go maybe to about the halfway point and we'll right. catch up with you right. then because it seems uh, kind of patently obvious to us. But let's do a second statement. Okay. Here. And Lee, react to this, please. All attempts since the end of slavery to keep vestiges of the discrimination, injustices, prejudices, and inequality of slavery are also horrible, bad, wrong, and inequitable. I, again, can't see what uh, complexity there is in that statement. To me, it's the simplistic, obvious this is wrong. It's always been wrong. Here we are, what, 160-something years since the formal institution of slavery was declared illegal and mm-hmm. done in mm-hmm. the United States of America, mm-hmm. yet vestiges of, of it persist, right? We went through decades of what we call Jim Crow laws, mm-hmm. where states did everything they could think of to keep uh, formerly enslaved people uh, down in terms of political power, economic power, and things of that nature. So again, you can go into history books and find vast complexity around the social political forces that made this persist. But again, if you back away from it to a 50,000 foot level and just go, it was wrong. It was ended socio-politically. Vestiges of it behaviorally still exist. It seems like that's an obvious statement that we just say no. Yeah. So once again, we would say, we assume the audience, everybody listening to this would agree with that statement, that uh, any of the vestiges from the period of slavery that still exist, including any discrimination, any injustices relative to race, any prejudices, any inequality that began with the slavery period and that has continued in some form since then, is horrible. It's wrong. It's bad. And it's inequitable. So that's our simple, Lee. That's yes. right. Our second simple, our starting point. Ah, but we've got a couple of new, relatively new pieces of information mm-hmm. that we can say, okay, let's go back into the complex. These are new ads here. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about them briefly. Mm-hmm. So one is a wonderful exhibit that is on the mall in Washington, D.C. called the African American Museum. Mm-hmm. If you have not been to it, I would highly 
I highly suggest going to it. It is now my favorite exhibit in Washington, D.C. The National Museum of African American History and Culture is now the nation's largest and most comprehensive cultural destination that's devoted exclusively to exploring, documenting, and showcasing the African-American story and its impact on American and world history. And so I've had the opportunity to go to this exhibit here in the last year or two, and it's phenomenal. I'll just try to describe it briefly to you here. Uh, It's a beautiful building. You go inside and you immediately are, it's suggested to you that you go down to the very bottom floor of the exhibit, which is, I recall, three or four floors down in kind of a basement. It's below, below ground level. And you start with the period of slavery beginning in like the 1400s, 1500s, mm-hmm. uh, when that was, slavery was happening in other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And it goes through the history of slavery, as you as you go up these basement floors toward the ground level mm. and there's some symbolism with that obviously mm-hmm. but the exhibit does a beautiful job of being extremely factual extremely historical in the representation and in storytelling so there's a lot of situations where uh, individual stories about people during a period of time are told and then lots of times there are artifacts that are present that, again, give you a visual sense of that to kind of connect you to the story. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we've we've talked a lot about the power of storytelling. Yes. That's one of our themes, Mm -hmm. and this is a beautiful example of that. Uh, It goes ahead through uh, up to the period of time post-slavery, the era of segregation, where you had Jim Crow laws and you had uh, just terrible things, terrible things that were still happening two blacks in America and particularly in the South. And it describes all of that. And again, there's a lot of storytelling and visual things. As an example, uh, the original casket of Emmett Till is there as well as an exhibit um, about uh, his mother who was instrumental in getting Emmett Till's story told. And there's a wonderful quote here about from Rosa Parks who is the uh, brave person who sat on the bus in Montgomery, Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, sat at the front of the bus. And when she was doing that, she said, uh, his death made people think differently about how they wanted to function in the South and in the nation. Rosa Parks was asked why she didn't move to the back of the bus, and she said she thought about Emmett Till and couldn't get up. Mm. And so this exhibit, mm. if you go through it, and it takes several hours to do it justice, has so many moments that are like that and want to just give you an example of that. So uh, that is something, Lee, that I would say is taking us into the complex. Yes, it is. You know, and it's and you go and learn about something like that. You go attend an exhibit like that. You add to your knowledge, and I certainly learned a lot during that visit, things I didn't know. And then ultimately, kind of when that's done, you... You re-ask the simple, the second simple question and say, is there some new wisdom to glean from this, or does this affirm the wisdom that I think I already had? Yes. And I think we have a second example that has come up in the in recently, huh? So, Dave, that's a very powerful experience that you shared with the uh, African American Museum in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think coming out of that experience, you probably had a simple feeling, which was, 
this affirmed and con- confirmed what I thought before. I have received additional information, but the simplicity that I bring out of that is this was horrible. It, it triple yeah. confirmed or affirmed yeah. the simple wisdom that I thought I already had. It yeah. just absolutely affirmed it, but it was new knowledge. It was good yes. to have that knowledge and to re-ask the question, but it did nothing but affirm it. Yeah, right. So let's get into perhaps uh, an opposing perspective, if I may characterize it as such. The Florida Board of Education recently approved new state standards for social studies work in schools, in public schools. And these standards involve African-American history, civics and government, American history and economics. So there are a number of social sciences that are touched by this legislation. Basically, let me just read directly from the legislation. African-American history, and that includes, quote, how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. That is a very, very small snippet, obviously, of a larger piece of legislation, but I think it's very illustrative of the intention here. Mm -hmm. We're going to whitewash, and I use that term on purpose, we're going to whitewash the atrocities and the horrors that enslaved people endured. And we're going to teach a different perspective, which is, hey, there was a lot of good that came out of it. Sometimes people learn skills that they could use, you know, in their own lives. You're trying to take my eye off the larger truth here, which is, oh my God, horrible. Can we not ever go down this path again? Mm -hmm. Right? So continuing how this perspective that's represented by this Florida legislation would have us try to forget or look the other way in terms of the atrocities and horrors associated with slavery. Uh, There's a line that says, apparently the reconstruction period, and here's a brief history lesson for you, that was the period of about 10 years immediately following the conclusion of the Civil War. It was a time when formerly enslaved people for the first time had rights They had property ownership rights. They had marriage rights that didn't exist previously. They could go to the polls and cast votes. That was all true. But in about a seven to 10 year period, white segregationists and others said, "Eh, this is not acceptable. We need to put the enslaved people back where they used to be. So apparently reconstruction was not a period that singled out the black population. Reconstruction was quick and successful. Others would have us believe. White Floridians promptly extended rights to black people. All in all, racism did not matter to U.S. history because, quote, different groups of people, for example, African-Americans, immigrants, Native Americans, women, had their civil rights expanded through legislative action, executive action, and the courts. Ah. Quote on that. So, So basically... We, the white majority, are going to do these benevolent acts on mm. your behalf. How kind. How kind. Yeah. You're, you don't have agency yourselves, right. those immigrant women, African-American populations. Let us do it for you. And uh, white America is not doing that because you are being activists and you are asking for your right. We're going to be right. silent about all the things you're doing. You really right. you aren't an agent in this. Right. We are... The benevolent people who yeah. are acting on your behalf. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And as uh, long as your behalf lets us maintain power. Right. Yeah. 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 And so uh, we wanted to give these two examples. Lee and I believe very strongly that 
uh, even if you have a strong opinion and you have a strong picture and you have a strong view about an issue and you have created your simple wisdom out of the complex, we keep learning. Yes. And so something like this, when, when the Florida Board of Education stuff came out and you would read a little bit about it, it was some, it would have been very easy for me or Lee or anyone to just go, ah, that's terrible. Yes. I, I don't need to know any more about that. I don't need to actually find out what the facts are right. about that. And we are saying, yeah, you do. Yeah. You, you need to go learn, and we need to go learn. We need to find out exactly what it says. And at the same time, we would kind of go, somebody may have a reaction to, oh, there's an African-American museum. Well, why do they have that? Oh, you know, sure. Why, I don't need to go see that. That's just going to be postulating. No, you do. You need to. You need to go see it. Yeah. You need to learn. So so we believe very strongly in lifelong learning. So, I, Lee, out of all of that... You know, we'll go back to those original statements. Anything changed for you? Not a thing. Not a thing here. I think I acquired some additional knowledge and insight and perspective, but my fundamental belief remains the same. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes the the very biggest wisdom is timeless or close to it, and we certainly think the wisdom of the rightness of total equality for all with no exceptions, we think that's a timeless wisdom. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to something a little bit lighter, Lee. Let's talk about tyranny. Oh, <laughs> just for chuckles. <laughs> <laughs> tyranny is a word that uh, probably has some different meanings. And, and so we wanted to use a quote from Aristotle about tyranny. But before kind of repeating that quote, there is, if you go and look up in the dictionary or on Google, you know, what, what does tyranny mean? There's actually some different definitions of yep. it. And very handily, since we're quoting Aristotle here, there was one that said, especially in ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, let's use that one let's. since that was his context. Yes. And the definition we saw said, rule by one who has absolute power without legal right. So let's say that again. Rule by one who has absolute power without legal right. Three components of it there, right? Continuing from Aristotle, tyrants preserve themselves by sowing fear and mistrust among the citizens by means of spies, by distracting them perhaps with foreign wars, by eliminating, quote, men of spirit who might lead a revolution, by humbling the people and making the people incapable of decisive action. For me, one way to interpret that is I'm going to create deliberately misguided complexity so that the citizenry is so messed up trying to chase a fundamental truth that they never can find it because it's a constant constant battle of, I'm going to use the word propaganda, if I may. Hey, let's. there's more complexity over there. Wait, there's more complexity over there. We'll never, ever get to the fundamental truth, which is you're ruling without legal right. <laughs> Bingo. And and the companion message to that is usually, you know, it's it's so complicated. I've, I've got this. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do the thinking for you. Yeah. I'll, I'll take care of this for all of us. Yes. Yeah. And so what's fascinating to me about good old Aristotle Lee, he lived from 384 to 322 B.C. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. That's a really long time ago. And isn't it amazing how things have changed <laughs> since his time? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like seriously. Yeah. He could have he could have said that today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He'd be spot on. Yeah. That could have been an interview on Fox News or CNN last <laughs> night. <laughs> So anyway, we, we like sharing uh, some examples. So we're going to go from Aristotle to a guy named Trey Crowder that some of you all may have heard of. And we like sharing some things on these podcasts that maybe you have not heard about or gotten exposure to. And we did, and we thought they were pretty cool. So Trey Crowder is a TikTok guy, mm-hmm. and he has uh, periodic TikTok uh, postings that he does. And he did one on August 10th of 2023 that was just phenomenal. So if you have the opportunity, again, Trey, that's T-R-A-E, Crowder, and it's August 10th, and it's TikTok. And it's, it's been repeated and shared in all sorts of forms because it really is phenomenal and takes less than three minutes to listen to. He was talking about a recent Ohio election that had taken place, and it was a, an election that was put forward by one faction to change the percentage that was going to be needed to change the state constitution from 50% up to 60%. And the driver of this was the fact that there is going to be a vote coming up on, uh, we will short, uh, kind of give the short term of this, abortion rights. It's really a women's rights issue. And it's going to be on the ballot. And the way it looks now is that it is probably going to get in the upper 50s Mm -hmm. of passage Mm -hmm. so that women have the right to choose. And so there's a faction that does not want them to have that right. Let's move the goalposts. Let's move the goalposts. 50%. Oh, they can surpass that threshold. Maybe we got to inch it up to 60%. They might fall short. Most of the voters want this, but we don't want them to have it. We're the minority, but we don't want them to have it. And we're in power in the legislature, so we put this motion forward to get it changed. Yes. And Trey Crowder had some some very, we think, satirical, I will use that term. He uses humor mm-hmm. in this, but he is also, couldn't be more serious yeah. in the points that he's trying to make. Yes. And so, uh, and he has a wonderful Southern accent that he uses on this, so it's very enjoyable to listen to. But he said some things like, did they think people would line up around the block to disenfranchise themselves? Yeah. Sign me up for that. You you're, know, you're taking away some of my freedoms. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to have it to where my vote doesn't count? Yeah, sure. Where do I, where do I sign up? Yes. Uh, he also used the phrase, the future of the concept of American democracy. It's that close, meaning we're that close to losing it. Yes. And he very pointedly uses the phrase instead of saying the future of democracy or the future of American democracy. Mm-hmm. It's that close. Mm-hmm. He says the future of the concept of American democracy. That point to me is crystal clear that we have never been a full democracy here, which is a lot of the point we were just visiting, right? Yes. There's still disenfranchisement. There's still prejudice. Mm-hmm. There's still rights denied. Mm-hmm. America has yet to be a full democracy, but we keep trying to hit that concept. Yes. And so the choice is between tyranny and yet another attempt at full democracy, making the concept a reality. And so to date, we have many attempts at that with varying degrees of imperfection. 
Uh, he also had, a, 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 again, amusing to us and hopefully to other listeners, where he talks about this argument between good tyranny, tyranny of the minority, versus tyran- bad tyranny, tyranny of the majority. And he says, you know, what will happen is the minority will go, well, we're being denied our rights. Mm-hmm. We're being denied our rights. You know, we ought to, we, it ought to be this way. And the the other side, the majority will say, well, there's more of us. More of us want this. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, yeah, but you're denying our rights. And, and you know, the majority will say, well, that's tyranny. And and they will go, the other side will go, well, no, it's, it's good it's tyranny. It's good tyranny. It's good tyranny because yeah. we're right. Uh-huh. We're right and we know better than you do. It's yes. good tyranny. Tyranny of the majority would be bad tyranny. Mm-hmm. And Trey mm-hmm. Crowder at the end of that, of that again, humorous uh, little exchange he, with, he has with himself about that says, what is wrong with your brain? <laughs> you know? What is wrong with your brain? Yes. So anyway, we thought we would pass that along. If any of you all had the chance to, to listen to that, uh, I think you'll definitely enjoy it. Uh, on the subject of tyranny, uh, there was a recent column that uh, wonderful historian Heather Cox Richardson uh, alluded to in her August 11th column of 2023. Lee, you want to talk about that? Yeah, uh, it, she wrote, it seems we are reaping the fruits of the political system that was planted in 1968. Okay, uh-huh. so more than 50 years ago. At that time, the staff of Republican presidential candidate, not yet elected president, Richard Nixon, reworked American politics to package Nixon for the election during the campaign. Quote, voters are basically lazy, one of Nixon's media advisors said. Reason requires a high degree of discipline, of concentration. Impression is easier. (laughs) Let me say that again. Reason requires some work. Okay, impression is much easier. Reason pushes the viewer back. It assaults him. It demands that he agree or disagree. Impression can envelop him, invite him in, without making any intellectual demands. Mm. When we argue with him, we seek to engage his intellect. The emotions are more easily roused, closer to the surface, and more malleable. I think that's a fascinating quote, even though it's 50-something years old. It's still absolutely in operation today in all kinds of contexts. But it means, if I can just create an impression on you and basically appeal to your emotions, people will react to that because it's easy. It doesn't require the mental heavy lifting that reason does and analysis does and critical thinking does. And that I, I would say that love does. That love does. You know? Yeah. So, so the deal of kind of, can I in five or 10 seconds think of a way to make you afraid? Right. Yeah. I, oh, I, that, that's yeah. easy. I can, make, I can make you afraid. Can I, in maybe a little bit longer time, make you think of something to hate? Mm-hmm. And just, or, or be angry about or mad about? Easy. Easy. Easy to do. Yeah. Easy to do. Can I inspire you and motivate you? to go love the verb, the mm. action. Can I inspire mm. you to do that? Mm. Well, just go, go love, go love more. Yeah. Go help more. Why? Why? Why do I have to do and that? And how do I do that? What I'm would that of, be like? I'm kind of already doing that enough. I, yeah. I think I'm doing fine with that. I'm doing, you know. yeah. Oh, but can I make you fearful or hate instant? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And history is filled with oh. examples, filled with examples. Yeah. There is a, a political uh, truth which states, how do you best 
you know, rouse the citizenry to go to war by making them understand that's a common enemy over there. Those folks over there, they're our enemy. We need to do something about it. We need to hate them. That's a easy way to get people on your side in terms of going to war. And if I'm in power, you have to keep me in power have to because keep we're fighting, power. we're yep. fighting these awful people. Yeah. You can't do it without yeah. whoever is in power. Right. Yeah. So, uh, is the emotion of fear just easier to tap into? Uh, as like Dave said, rather than the verb of love, we would say, yeah, fear is easy. Hatred is easy. Love requires work. Okay. For our future audience here in 2023, Tyranny in many different forms still exists in many parts of the world. And the push for more tyranny is happening in many parts of the world in response to the movement for equality. Ah. Now, there is tyranny of every type. Here are just a few examples, by no means an inclusive list. There's tyranny of gender, of race, of sexual identity, level of income and wealth, individual and group power grabs, Every conceivable type of tyranny still exists. And we would say, Lee, for every type of tyranny that we've just mentioned, that the movement is strong toward having less tyranny, toward equality. Yes. On each one of these. And what happens in response to that? The powers that be or the powers that want inequality and unfairness and injustice are getting louder. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think we can hear the loudness of the resistance and think, oh, the world's moving toward more inequality. Well, it is. there is a voice that is wanting more inequality. It is in response to the voices for equality yeah. getting louder, yeah, too. Correct. It isn't always, I would say, a bad thing if we understand that it, part of the change process is going to be when we are asking for something like equality for all, there is going to be resistance. Mm -hmm. We should expect that. Yes. And we should not be deterred, distracted at all from pushing for equality for all. Yeah. And let me make a linkage here. Uh, Dave used the good word loudness, right? That's complexity. Right. When, when you create loudness, what you're really doing is willfully or not, perhaps unconsciously, you're creating more complexity. Why? Because sorting through that complexity is hard mental work. And I think we've already established most of us don't like hard mental work. Right. We want the easy, lazy, simple solutions. Okay. We think the human species needs to get better and fast. So future audiences, you're listening to this. And so we know that equality for all, the equalist movement, we like to think that it took hold and succeeded. Yay. Well and done. Yeah. And there was no other pathway for our species to survive, frankly. Well done. Okay, we're going to move on to uh, AI. We love talking about AI. We do. we do it. We do it frequently on these podcasts. Uh, we want to just pass along, if you're at a place where you're trying to get into the complex and maybe from your perspective get better informed, uh, we think a great start for that is a couple of uh, R, I guess, a couple of is R, a couple of <laughs> Ezra Klein AI podcasts and interviews. You can go out to YouTube um, or go out to the New York Times probably and, and put in search for Ezra Klein and these podcasts will come up. And they're, they're a great way, again, if you're kind of going, I, I, I don't know a lot, but I want to know more, they're a good place to start. Yes. So in response to listening to these podcasts, uh, we have a few thoughts, questions to kind of bat around here. Lee, is, is AI intelligence? 
Maybe, maybe not, but it is certainly at the very minimum, it's a talent or a skill, a tool, a capability. Again, we get wrapped around the complexity of the word intelligence, and we're still trying to figure out what's the simple wisdom within that. Well, I think it's at minimum, it's a tool, it's a capability. Yeah, and and if something is a talent or a skill, or someone is a talent, a skill, a gift, a tool, or a capability, I'm not sure what the difference is. <laughs> That's yeah. the part. It's a good one of those where it's, well, let's make this complex and let's have this debate about which of those it is. It is. How much does that even matter? Matter, yeah. I it, think <laughs> it exists. It's going to be here. Yes. What are we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do? How do we interact with it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So we seem to get stuck on that word. Yeah. So another linkage here to our previous discussion around tyranny. So bear with me, if you will. In many instances, when a new technology is available, in our example here, artificial or advanced intelligence, it seems to be a human reaction to say, that's going to harm us somehow. That's going to be bad. The same questions were asked at the advent of computing systems. Before that, telephone technology, go all the way back through human history, right? People can co-opt that and become tyrannical with it, right? Oh, you should fear this. In other words, don't go to the hard mental work of going into the complexity to learn about it so that you can come out with new selfishness. We've already done the thinking for you. Uh, we understand what the capabilities are and just trust us will be used for good. So there's actually a tyrannical component there if you think about it in those terms. So future listeners, we do have an updated golden rule that we believe in, and it's to do unto all other life forms Mm -hmm. as we would wish intellectually superior intelligences to do Do unto unto us. us. Yes. They're here, and there's going to be more of them. They are more capable than we, they may be a tool, but they're a smarter tool than we are. Yes. You know, and so we want to uh, make sure that we are interacting with the world and with other beings, other people, the way that we would like to have AI in whatever form it takes out in the future to interact with us. Absolutely. With with respect. Yeah. That's a great new golden rule. So let's transition now to this very interesting quote uh, as we talk about curiosity. You've heard Dave and I in the previous seasons of this podcast series talk about lifelong learning. Well, guess what's at the root of that? Curiosity. Hey, here's a new thing. Rather than being fearful of it, I'm going to go find out about that. Okay. So here's a quote. It is from Albert Einstein. You ever hear that guy? Fairly fairly smart guy. You know, there's probably more. If you go, if you were to go look up a list of wise quotes, there's probably more <laughs> quotes from Albert Einstein than any other person yeah. Yeah. on earth. And this brilliant guy had a way of saying really simple things. Very simple he? things. Yeah. He said, the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existence. One cannot help but be in awe when he contemplates the mysteries of eternity, of life, and the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery each day. Mm. And Lee, one of the things I love about that is the power of one, which we always try to reinforce with what we say. We're all just here to do our part. Yes. So when we talk about big issues and huge things, none of us singularly can solve those things. Right. Right. We each can do our part. Yes. And if we collectively do our part, 
these things will happen. Mm -hmm. The world will get better. Mm -hmm. At the same time, collectively, if we all use our curiosity, that same thing will happen. That's what he's imploring here. Yes. Is just be curious yourself. Yeah. Collectively, if we all do that, we're going to be in a great place. Yeah. I just love that last line. It's enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. I'm sure on his last day in this stage of existence, he was thinking about something. Oh, he absolutely. was curious about something. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he was. That's the way he lived. Yeah. Okay, we always like to move toward closure of these podcasts, of these chats, with a moment for optimism and gratitude and momentum. We believe in those as strongly as we believe in anything else. And so, Lee, why don't you take us through that today? So as Dave stated, we like to close with a moment of optimism and gratitude and some positive momentum. So here's a current example. It's about a simple act of kindness that changed the entire trajectory of a young man's life. All of us in our day-to-day lives, we have moments when we get to decide whether we want to offer a helping hand. These gestures often feel trivial to us, but sometimes, probably more often than we think, they have the power to change the course of someone's life. Well, this kind of transformative experience happened to a guy named Bill Price, when he was 15 years old. In the fall of 1972, Bill was attending a reunion for a summer program he'd taken part in a few months before. He remembers standing outside at the end of the day, catching up with friends. Eventually, everyone said their goodbyes, leaving Price to stand by himself. Price said, sometimes when you're alone, it's okay. Sometimes when you're alone, you feel bereft or abandoned. And that's the way I felt then. Nearby, another group of teenagers was laughing and talking. Price said, I found myself wishing so much to be a part of that group. Well, one of the people in that other group was a person named Wendy Westman. She and Price had only met in passing at the summer program a few months previously. As Price stood there, feeling increasingly lonely, Wendy turned around and asked him if he'd like to join her group. Price said, my life was transformed in that very moment. Westman reached out and sparked a realization in Price. He could offer that same kindness to anyone at any time. Price says, it's so easy to see someone who seems left out and alone and notice them and just say hello to them, be kind to them. And my realization was that this is a gift that is all of us can give. It's in the power for each of us to give. Well, Price went on to become a psychiatrist. A primary part of his job is being kind to his patients, listening to them, being attentive to their needs. And he attributes his understanding of the importance of kindness to that moment all the way back when he was 15 years old. Price says, To the extent that I'm a good person in my life today, it's probably due to Wendy Westman inviting me to join her group. Wow. The power of one. The power of our connections to each other. The power of each of us just doing our part. Each of us can make such a difference in the world, and all we have to do is question, listen, critically think, keep learning, And every day, just do our part. So in closing, we ask, what are your ideals? What are your pictures? What are your actions to take? And what is your influence to use? 
Thank you for joining us. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about Pictures Out There at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures.